In Matthew chapter 6, verse 1, Jesus said, Be careful not to practice your righteousness in front of others to be seen by them. If you do, you will have no reward from your Father in heaven. Then in verse 5 he said, And when you pray, do not be like the hypocrites, for they love to pray standing in the synagogues and on the street corners to be seen by others. Truly I tell you, they have received their reward in full. Then in verse 16 he said, When you fast, do not look somber as the hypocrites do, for they disfigure their faces to show others they are fasting. Truly I tell you, they have received their reward in full. Now Jesus just described three things, three good things. Wouldn't you agree? Uh, doing good deeds, acts of righteousness, prayer, and fasting. And he just described a way that you could do those three good things in a bad way. How do you do those three good things in a bad way? You do them to be seen by men. So, I'm giving a sermon this morning. And you know what? I hope you like it. I hope I'm clever and funny and that make you smile and you listen to what I have to say, that you stay awake all the way through the sermon, or mostly, or at least to the good parts. I, I want you to like it, right? And therefore, I, I want you to like me. Do you feel that pull? That when you do things, you want people to appreciate and value what you've done? Jesus referred to that as being seen by men. We do our acts of righteousness to be seen by men. I, I wish I could say I never did this. But I think I do it all the time. Don't you? And you do the things, the good things that God's called you to do and, and you want somebody to see. You want them to notice. Don't you feel the pull to do things in order to be seen? Um, here's how I know I do this. Maybe you can recognize this in yourself. If nine people walk by me after the sermon and say, that was really wonderful today, thank you. And one comes by and goes, eh, not your best work. What happens? You're totally taken out, right? doesn't matter that nine people like what you did. If one doesn't, you're a mess about it. You get nine attaboys and one other one and it's over. That's how you can tell if you're caught into this. Does the validation that you receive from others have an impact on you? Well, yes it does, doesn't it? Darn it. Um, so what's wrong with that anyway? What's wrong with wanting a little bit of recognition and, and acknowledgement for a job well done? Is that so bad? Well, of course not, because that's what we all do. Except, at what cost does that come? If you go down the path of doing things to be seen by men and therefore people-pleasing, when do you get to stop? It wouldn't be so bad if there was just one person I had to please, would it? But like we just said, if nine people are happy and one is unhappy, it's the one unhappy. That's how you know this isn't working well. <laughs> by, the, by the amount of uh, 
the way you're taken out by one. So let's say that you do something, anything, and you're good at it. What will people do? They will come up and reward you and acknowledge and lift you up because of that. And I don't know anybody in this world that doesn't like that. We like applause, don't we? So what happens next? You have to do it again. So there's a woman in this church that makes a really good peach pie. And everybody likes her peach pie. And when she makes the peach pie and shares it with people, everybody likes the peach pie. Can she stop making peach pies? No, she has become the peach pie lady. And she must make peach pie. Because we expect it. And quite frankly, this one better be as good or better than the last one. Right? Because we don't want to eat no junky pie after we've had the good thing. So the peach pie lady has to kick it up a notch with a little more cinnamon and a little more sugar this time. A little fancier thing on the crust. Every time it has to raise up just a little bit more, doesn't it? You know what that's called? Exhausting. <laughs> Isn't it? You can never rest. You must do better and do better. My dad used to teach me a poem when I was in grade school. Good, better, best. Never let it rest until your good is better and your better is your best. My dad knew one poem that I know of, and that was it. And that poem is death to you. It's absolute death. It will kill you. Because you can never, ever stop. Now, I needed the encouragement with my schoolwork, so dad was trying to help. But let's say that you're not a peach pie maker. Let's say that you're a farmer. And you plant straight rows. Now you know that every one of us, as we drive around, we examine the rows to see how straight they are. Right? We look at the corners to make sure they're full. Every one of us are examiners of crops, even though I have never planted anything but some peppers in my life. Well, okay, lots of things at the greenhouse, but out in the field. Straight rows are very important, and if you're known for your straight rows... Can you imagine the pressure that's on you this year when your planter is out in the field to make straight rows? You know you can't redo them. And you know that one year when your rows weren't straight? Longest summer of your life. Everybody in the county drove by and looked at those unstraight beans. What was, what was wrong with him this year? So we have to do it better. The problem with people-pleasing is that it never ends. Never, ever ends. So Jesus uh, showed us another way to do things. So those three things he just taught, in verse 3 and 4 he says, But when you give to the needy, do not let your left hand know what your right hand is doing, so that your giving may be in secret. Then your Father, who sees what is done in secret, secret will reward you. And in Matthew 6, 6, But when you pray, go into your room, close the door, and pray to your Father who is unseen. Then your Father who sees what is done in secret will reward you. And in verse 17, But when you fast, 
Put oil on your head and wash your face so that it will not be obvious to others that you are fasting, but only to your Father who is unseen. And your Father who sees what is done in secret will reward you. Don't do the things that you do to be seen by men, but do them to be seen by the Father. And the Father will reward you. Now, I know that every one of us here is too humble to think that we're doing good things to receive a reward. But you want the reward. Trust me. Our Heavenly Father has things in store for us that, as Brad said earlier, that I has not seen and the mind cannot imagine. And you want them. You want them then and you want them now. When we do these good things that we do to please the Father, it then sets us free from the need to please people. And pleasing the Father is easy. Because He loves you. Right? He's not the demanding one. He does not keep expecting more and more. Yeah, I know you did that yesterday, Tony, but what are you going to do for me today? My Heavenly Father doesn't think of me in those terms. The relationships I have with people are transactional. They do for me. I do for them. Right? That's a transaction. The relationship I have with the Father is not based on a transaction. Well, it is, but Jesus did both sides of it. Right? He's not sitting there expecting me to give a better sermon this week than I did last week. So, religion... I've been kicking religion around for weeks now. It's so much fun, I'm going to keep on kicking it around today. Religion tells you this. If you buy my book, and you read what I have to tell you, and you put my practices into action, your life will get better. That's religion. Right? And, you know, we think of a lot of times in church things, but it's not just church things. There's somebody trying to sell you every kind of book in the world to fix every kind of problem you might ever have. If you would just do this, seven secrets to success in whatever endeavor you're going for, right? Do this, do this, do this, do this. So religion tells you this. You're jacked up. But if you'll follow my way of living, you'll get better. That's religion. Right? You're a mess. Do what I tell you. You'll get better. And, and when you get to better, what's next? Congratulations. We now have chapter 2. You're a mess. Do this. You'll get better. No, Jesus is exactly the opposite. Jesus says this. You're a mess. I'll make you better. What a relief. The end point of religion is the starting point for Jesus. 
the end point. See, you start out being a mess and you work hard and you put this in your life and you struggle and you strive and you accomplish things and then you'll get better. And finally, you got good enough, now come on in. Jesus starts out with, you're good enough. I declare, you are good enough. See, we all have this question. Am I enough? Am I? Am I enough to lead this church? Am I enough to preach this sermon? Am I enough to care for my family? Am I enough to run my business? Am I enough to be a good friend to somebody? Am I enough to be part of the kingdom of heaven? You have that question, right? I have that question. And when I take when I do the things that I do in order to be seen by men, I am taking that question to the men women, boys, girls, people and letting them answer that question for me, am I enough? And you know what? The answer is never 100% yes. Nine of you liked the sermon but the one that didn't crushed me. I'll never go back and preach again. They hate me. Right? Isn't that the way it is? That one person, the one judgment that's not in your favor, and you're a mess over it. You're wiped out completely. The problem is not the person who judged you, who evaluated you. The problem is that you asked them to. We, we have to change. We have this question, am I enough? It's in us. It's natural and normal for you to ask that question. The problem is where we take that question to have it answered. Um, so am I enough? Well, it depends on who you ask, doesn't it? You see, if we're living to please, please people and for the applause of men, it kills us. Way back in the 90s, I was part of this little praise band. And we went down to some junior high youth statewide conference I forget where it was at and we played at that place and there was like 700 junior high kids and do you know what they did when we played they jumped up and down and screamed and clapped it's the best drug ever being loved by adoring fans oh my word that's awesome it's addicting you know what I've wanted to do ever since then I want to do it again and it's only been like 20 years and it's never happened again. The dog and Katie jump up and down when I come home. That's it. <laughs> Nobody else cares. So where does people pleasing show up in your life? Well, it shows up everywhere. It shows up all over the place because we all want to get that answer to the question of am I enough? So it shows up when you're at the ball field and your kid is struggling out there to play. Oh, geez. She plays just like her mother. Right? You know that feeling. You're embarrassed for your kid. Oh, this is terrible. 
Your kid just made the foul that sent the other team to the free throw line so they won. And you know, if you were a better parent, your kid wouldn't have done that. If you would have taught your kid better. See, we would like to hope that's about our kid, but it's not. It's about me. Because it's a judgment of me. My kid's messing up, so I'm no good. Right? You ever been there? Um, It shows up at work. When we throw our weight around and show how we are tough and can handle this job. Ever been there? Well, I'm not going to let him treat me like that. Why? Because if I let him treat me like that, it means I'm weak and can be kicked around. And I'm not going to have that. You see, when we take our question to other people, we're demanding a vote. And it's never 100%, which makes the pursuit of pleasing people exhausting and overwhelming. We need to switch from what will people think to I am enough. What will people think or I am enough? Are you enough? See, the answer is based on you're standing with Jesus Christ. I wish it were based on other things, don't you? The problem with people pleasing for a lot of us is that we're really good at it. And so if you're really good at pleasing people, you'll stay in that trap because you like the reward of it. It's only when we realize that we cannot please people and it fails that we get to the point where we give it up. You can give it up if you have a relationship with Jesus Christ. Because if you have a relationship with Jesus Christ, things have changed and you are enough. I know. You want it to be true, but you know it's not. Right? You know that someday, in heaven, then I'll be enough, but now, I'm a wreck. That's not true, my friends. Jesus has declared you enough. He has bestowed righteousness upon you. Can you believe it? It's true. You should believe it. You are enough. I am enough. You see, pleasing people makes living this life hell on earth. But knowing that I am enough and living from there makes it heaven on earth. It changes everything. King Jesus says I'm enough. He did for me what needed to be done. And he calls me to him. I am enough. I am enough because Jesus is enough. Not because I'm enough. Because he's enough. Then I'm enough. 
And I can live there in effort, not earning. I can follow Jesus with effort, but not worrying about the reward that comes from it, or the attaboy, or the thank you, you're still in the club. Because of that, because I am enough, I can now take great risk. If I hear it once, I hear it a hundred times a week. The lie of Satan that is this. Be careful. Be careful. Do you think that's how Jesus lived his life? With great care? He lived it with great boldness and passion. He took great risk. My friends, if you're a follower of Jesus Christ, you need to pick up your risk level a little bit. Quit being the Nancy boy and take a risk. Do something for the kingdom that will matter. Take a stand. Love someone deeply. Put your heart right out there where somebody can stomp on it. Risk deeply. We don't do great things for the kingdom of heaven by being careful. Now, don't misunderstand. I do not, I'm not comparing being careful with being loving. Okay? It's not the same thing. I'm not saying that you can be reckless with people's hearts. I am saying you can take great risk to offer rescue for someone who needs it. Because you do not need to worry about the validation. Remember a couple of weeks ago we talked about the farmer who threw the seed out? Did the farmer care where the seed went? He just scattered the seed. He took great risk. Some of it landed on the path and it didn't work out well. But some of it landed in good soil and there was a great reward. Because he took the risk of scattering the seed. You must take great risk. It's not the critic who counts. It's not the reviewer of your actions. Well, you know, Tony, if you'd have done it like this, you might have had a much better reward. You know, if you love me and are trying to train me and encourage me, bring it on. I want that. If you're sitting from the couch telling me how I should live my life, no thank you. Keep your opinion to yourself. Get up off the couch and live with me and we'll go together. I'm not, a, I'm not concerned with your advice about how I should live. Are you? No offense to you. Okay, a little. But not much. I don't really mean that. I want you to love me and live together. But I'm not trying to live to your standard. I'm not. I'm sorry. The voice of the critic in our head is loud. Living to gain the approval and applause of people is a terrible trap. Can't get out. It's just like that, that concert I played in and they loved me. Man, I wanted to go back and do it again and do it again. Doesn't happen. So, how do you make the change? Take your question to someone else. Am I enough? Father? Well done, my good and faithful servant. Well done. This is my son whom I love. This is my son in whom I am well pleased. 
That's the kind of relationship the Father has with me and you, right? Let's see, I have a list of some things here. The things that you are not in asking this question of am I enough? You are not your job or lack of. You are not how much money you have in the bank. You are not the car you drive. You are not the contents of your wallet. You are not your dad's approval or lack thereof. You are not your mom's condescending smile or frown of disappointment. You are not your spouse's pornography addiction. You are not your IQ. You are not your infertility. You are not your year-end bonus or your layoff. You are not your boss's slave or your teacher's trophy. You are not your home run, your triple, or your strikeout. You're not your family. You are not your bench press or the number of miles you can run. You are not the adoring crowd's puppet, and you are not the hater's patsy. You are not your kids, and you are not your parents. You are not your GPA. You are not the initials after your name. You are not the number of friends you have on Facebook. You are not your marriage or your lack of marriage. You are not your health. You are a child of God. You are absolutely free. You have a seat at the table. You get to call the creator of the universe, Daddy. You are a child of the King. You are holy. You are a priest. You have been set free. You have been given life. Your sins are forgiven. You are full of God's glory. You have the words of life. Your heart of stone has been replaced with a heart of flesh. And God has written his laws on your heart, causing you to obey them. You have been indwelt by the Holy Spirit. You are eternal. You have been declared righteous. You are enough. You get to approach God by calling Him Dad. You know, there's four children who get to call me Dad and a couple of others that I have granted the request to that I will be their father. None of the rest of you get to do that. Right? I'm not your dad. You wish I was, but I'm not. My Heavenly Father says, I'll be your dad. Come to me. You weary? Heavy laden? Tired of people pleasing? Come to me. I'll give you life. Life to the full. Give your heart fully to the King of the Universe. And he'll tell you that you are enough.
you can be set free. So, are you enough? You are enough. You are. Because Jesus paid the price and answered the question for you. Jesus paid the price by saying, that one right there, she's worth dying for. Him? Yep. I'll die for him. You're enough. You want a new heart? Ask God, he gives new hearts. Want to be forgiven? Jesus will forgive every sin. White as snow. So, if you're in Jesus, I propose that we stop asking the question. Because it's ridiculous to keep asking something that's been answered. Am I enough? Becomes, I am enough. I'm enough. I don't have to please anybody. Because my Heavenly Father is pleased with me. From that position of security, I can live a great life. Loving deeply. Because I can risk it, right? If you reject my advances to love you, I'll be alright. If you don't like today's sermon, I'm sorry. Maybe I'll do better next week. Or maybe not. But I don't care. I will confess, I wish ten people would walk by and say it was a good sermon. But I don't need that. I don't need it. You don't need it. Because you're enough. Jesus Christ paid the price. You are enough. Oh, Father, help us to get off this treadmill, this constant pursuit of asking and pursuing the question, am I enough? Am I enough? Am I enough? Father, we know the truth is this. Because of Jesus Christ, I am enough. Oh, thank you for that rest. Thank you for the relief of that, the weight off of our shoulders. Thank you for the freedom, knowing that I can love other people deeply because you love me. That I can take great risk for the kingdom of heaven because I have nothing to risk. I am enough. Because of Jesus' love, I am enough. Because of the indwelling of the Holy Spirit, I am enough. The enemy is right here trying to steal that away. Saying that, well, you're not enough. He might be, but you're not. That's not true, friends. Satan, take that lie someplace else. We stand on the truth of God's word. And the rest that we have because of our new heart. Oh, Jesus, lead us into this. Help us to truly believe this deeply in our hearts. Knowing that I am enough. Thank you, Jesus. Amen.